Okay, uh, welcome everybody to the world of sports. Uh, we are joined today by our resident expert. He's an expert on many, many sports subjects, but uh, definitely great on talking about the UFC, boxing, NFL football, NBA basketball, and many other things. I'm really happy to be joined by Jason Cameron. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be hey, here. You're welcome. Yes. Good to see you. You're outside enjoying the sunshine. That's nice. I'm glad you're out in the boat. Uh, we've been cooped up too long with this pandemic here. It's uh, nice to see when people can get some fresh air and get out. Of course, man. Like you, you can only stay in your household for so long until you start to go a little bit of stir crazy. So this is me not going stir crazy and just going for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Um, yeah. Thanks so. Thanks so much for taking this time today. I know. Um, there's uh, so many things going on, and especially uh, the weekend, you get it, sometimes get cooped up at home watching so many sports, and then you want to uh, get out on, on Monday. But um, speaking of this past weekend, uh, another big UFC event. Uh, I was pretty impressed with the card. Um, obviously, Amanda Nunes uh, was the headliner, and she dominated as usual and uh, really showed why she's the, the best woman fighter in the world. But uh, what was your thoughts on the card all as a whole well first off i i will say this spencer she was super tough super tough lady but a little bit out of her element when it comes to quality with amanda nunez so i i i give her credit though like jesus she she lasted right to the end bell and not many people can do that with that woman so congrats to her um the one fight i was kind of I was very much looking forward to because I was curious to see how we would come across or how we would come back from three consecutive losses was Cody Garbrandt. And, like, you know, that was his co-main event, and he hasn't won for a long time. He was at the top of the mountain, then he got knocked down a bit. And so I wanted to see what version of Cody Garbrandt we'd see. Well, he put that to rest, didn't he? <laughs> he, he most certainly put that to rest. He put on quite a showing, quite a showing. So... And all in all, it was actually a really good UFC. It was a great card, great fights. And there's one other thing I want to point to with, when it comes to the UFC and the fights in this, in this situation that we're all caught in with the pandemic. I, I want to say, because since there's no audience and there's no crowds out there, it, seemed that, it seems to me that the fighters are more focused on the fight itself. They have zero distractions because when you look out into that sea of darkness just this black space well then all you all you have to do is focus on the fight on the fighter right in front of you and it seems that the quality of fights have been just a lot better a lot better a lot more focused so yeah i'm agreeing with you too yeah i was um i was pretty hesitant on um thinking that i would like uh it without crowds because uh you know definitely crowd brings so much energy uh every time i've ever attended live um you know i can feel the electricity in the crowd and um it just seemed to bring such a different element to it but now we've had about five events without and you know i'm i'm enjoying aspects of it that don't that the crowd isn't there i like that you can hear the corner so much better you can hear the strategies you can you can actually hear the uh connections in the cage you can hear them hitting each other. You can hear them talking to each other if there's a little bit of trash talk. And yeah. uh, you're right. I, I feel like they are focused. They're, they're just, I think they're hearing their corners better. They're, 
making those those switches and transitions better. And uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's been a great element to it. Yeah, it, it's it's added a little bit. Obviously, the audience would add that vibe, that uh, that euphoricness that you feel like when you that rush when you're there. And obviously, that's what you're missing. But the the little the little subtleties of the match and of the fight that you get to pick up on now, like you really get to hear those hits when when they get like you know the shin to the head, you know, or the really big crack of the fist to the to the stomach and you're just like oh man no okay so that's what that always sounded like that that doesn't sound like a lot of fun it doesn't sound like a lot of fun at all and so with that with that being said you know like that element of it is just fantastic to see it or i should say to hear it's fantastic yeah. to hear so yeah no I uh, you know, it, it definitely makes it like it's not no joke. It's not like wrestling. You know, these these are real fighters. These are uh, very talented guys, and they're trying to take you out. So yeah, I, I think you know, I I think that was lost when you know the crowd was there and such so much noise. You couldn't actually hear the physical contact, but having that, oh uh, wow, it, it it makes it really a lot more serious, and and I like it. Um, I don't like that um, a lot of young people aren't getting a chance to see it live. I find uh, being in the arena, being, uh, you know, in amongst the crowd, I think it can create a lifetime fan. Uh, you know, if a young kid gets brought with his father or his family, his mom, whatever, and they uh, are able to bring him to an event, I think he can be a lifelong fan just seeing it live. Seeing it on TV is great, but seeing it live, I think it's just adds so much more of an element. Yeah, very true. Very true. Like, you know, like that goes for any of the sports now that we're somewhat craving for or really want to see come back that, you know, like that just bringing your family or making it a family event and then having, having that, just that, that just being in that environment, just being yeah. in a sporting environment is just, it's, it's irreplaceable. It's something yeah. that you can't replicate. Or at least you can't do it too easily. So no. hopefully once this all passes, then we can start to do that again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah speaking of, of Garbrand, I did want to mention that uh, I, I really liked that he um, came back from three fight losing streak, hadn't won in a few years. It had been a while. Um, uh, he had to, you know, mix up his camps a little bit, go to Jersey as well as uh, be, being in, in California. Um, I really, you know, I, I, I saw a determined different fighter from the last few losses. And um, that, that knockout was crazy. Just, you know, the buzzer it was just after that yep. KO. Yeah. It was yeah. amazing it, timing. It was, it was literally a buzzer beater. It was yeah. a buzzer beater. It was a buzzer beater knockout. And when you, you see it in slow motion, and, and, and Daniel Cormier, I, I love the man as an announcer because he nailed it because he, he brought that punch from his, from his right shoe, from his right foot. He, he brought it from his right foot and basically unleashed this punch that was so fast. Like that happened in half a second. Yeah. And, and then when you see him bend down in that crouch and he looks at him like, this is it. I'm going to take your head off. I don't know if you're going to survive this punch. Like you could see him look at him like that. Like yeah. it was straight out of a movie. And I'm like, oh man, that's probably, that's not good. <laughs> and then wham! And then it's like, oh my God. <laughs> my good 
this. And, and then the buzzer sounds is just like, so that was a buzzer beater slash walk off knockout. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that came immediately to my mind was Tyson. And, um, you know, one of the things about Tyson that I always loved was that he involved his whole body. He would, he would crouch down and he would use his legs and he would use his, his torque into his punches and he would just, you know, hit a guy and the guy would just be done. And mm -hmm. the funny enough, within a, within a few minutes, maybe not even a few minutes, there was a, a tweet from Tyson on the corner of the screen and he, oh. he congratulated Garbrandt on it. And I thought, wow, isn't that amazing that he's watching at the same time I'm watching it. And he, you know, was congratulating him. And I, it, it just reminded me of the way Tyson just would use those legs and they were tree trunk legs. And he would yes. just, you know, just bring that punch, absorb so much of his energy and put it into the guy. And the guy would usually not be able to stand anymore. And, it was yeah. really, it was neat for me to see that Tyson was watching the same time I was, and, and you know, it was something that, that just brought him to mind. Yeah, like, it was, I didn't see that tweet, I'm going to be honest, but that was as Tyson-esque a right hook as I've ever seen, because he annihilated the man. Like, he hit him with the right, and then the Sun Sal said, that's it for me, I'm done. And <laughs> <laughs> they, he, he was out. He, he oh, even tried to put him on the stool, and he was like, no, I'm still out. He was going <laughs> to fall over. And they're like, take the stool away from him, have him sit down. And then he was still like, I don't know what area code this is. Like, that was one heck of a punch. Wow. That was one heck of a punch. It was, it was awesome to see. And, and it was also good. It was good to see a patient Cody Garbrandt. Yeah. He was patient, man. Like, he, he didn't get into a firefight. He didn't get, you know, like, tricked into that. He was patient, he used his superior speed and his technical boxing, and he got the win. Yeah, he was always involved in wars his whole life, you know, uh, growing up. And, you know, in the UFC, he was always just standing toe-to-toe -to -toe and going with guys. But, you know, after three losses, you got to change things up and you got to get smart. And uh, we saw Overeem do it. We've seen other guys, you know, start being a lot more smart instead of just going into those firefights. And, and just uh, laying it all out, and whoever yep. gets the you know knockout punch first, great. But you got to yep. change your style if you're uh, you know looking like you might lose an UFC contract and not be in the game anymore. So exactly because like we just saw uh, a fighter that we all know and love just do that exact thing because obviously what he was doing before wasn't working, and that's Justin Gaethje. Gaethje yeah. came in with. Possibly that was the best version of Gaethje we've ever seen against the boogeyman because that guy's really a boogeyman because <laughs> the amount of punishment he took. Wow. And then he had to actually have the ref come in and say, okay, we all get it. Tony, you're too tough. <laughs> but that, this is it, though. This is, like, I got to end the fight. You got to save and, these guys from themselves sometimes. They're just tough. Yeah. And, and Felicia Spencer was like that, as you mentioned yeah. earlier. You know, yeah. she – she just wanted to go out on her shield. You know, they were talking earlier about, oh, maybe the, you know, corner should throw in the towel. She's, you know, she's just too tough and won't, yep. won't you know, won't just can keep withstanding the punishment, won't quit. And, you yep. know, so you got to save these fighters from themselves. And, yeah, and, yeah it it, uh, it can be a little dicey because it's, you know, especially if it's a championship fight, you know, they, yeah. they always still really have a puncher's chance. But, uh, you yeah. know, um, 
I think she gained a, uh, Felicia Spencer gained a ton of respect, and you know, I think she'll get some really high quality fights going on into the future. You know, I, I think the uh, matchmakers will think, "Wow, okay, wow, this girl's game. I can put her in with you know somebody that's going to give her a really big dog fight, and she'll be she'll be game." So, um, you know, I, I don't think she, you know, I don't, I, I just really think she did did a great job for herself, and you know, she's she's just not in that level. There are. You know, fighters that are world class, but you know, then there's a notch above, and and, and that's yeah. definitely what Nunes is. Yeah, because like you know, like hey, I've I've seen Felicia fight for before, and she's a great fighter. She's a great fighter, but you kind of knew going into this fight. Unfortunately, you're just not at that level, because let's be honest here, who the heck is <laughs> who is at her level? Yeah. Like 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 yeah. Joe said, like Joe Rogan said, well, what do you do now? Well, who does she fight now? Right. Because, like, honestly, the only person that she could fight, the only first, only fight that really makes sense, but it doesn't make sense now, is Valentina Shevchenko. By the way, Darren, that's my favorite fighter. I love right. that woman. I love the way that she fights. But she fights as her natural weight class is 10 pounds below Nunes. Yeah. Right? And Nunes can go to 135 or 145. So she's by far and away the bigger, the bigger fighter. And so I don't know if you want to make that match because literally Valentina's lost too. But in my humble opinion, I don't think she lost that first fight. I really don't. I think it's actually should be one and one, but whatever, whatever. It's just my opinion. It's my opinion. I know I'm right. So, but that's the only fight that's left for Nunes. I don't know who else she fights. Like, does she just continue to keep cleaning up the division? Like a certain somebody has already done in the past, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Does she right. keep just doing that and recycling people and be like, all right, this is kind of cool. You know, just keep going and going and go. Maybe that's what she has to do. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I heard an interview with Dana White, um, you know, that I think later on that night. And he said, you know, the funny thing is in this sport, you know, other guys, we've heard that about Anderson Silva was just dominating his, his weight class and, cleaning out the division and then there was always somebody that was going to come and George St. Pierre was doing that and he mentioned a few fighters that were just on a on a, you know on a higher level that yeah. all of a sudden everybody thought well they're unbeatable what's going to happen yeah. next and and eventually somebody comes and you know I'm excited to you know see somebody that that comes in and can beat Amanda at some point it'll happen yes but but the thing that he forgets to neglect to say is it did take six years Six years, all right? Yeah, right? I think Amanda Nunes is in year two or three. Yeah. So we got more, three more years of her just demolishing people until finally somebody rises from the ashes to maybe <laughs> give her a fight. And, I, and even with that being said, so in year seven, does she finally lose? Or do, does she still laugh and say, ah, oh, no, you guys are still not there. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I, I, yeah. I could see her having a long reign. Definitely. You know, just, wow. We haven't seen this dominance and, in, in, you know, outside of Ronda Rousey when, you know, she was at her top, you know, you know, and Cyborg, I think was, you know, to that same point too, where everybody was scared of her. Everybody just didn't think she could be beat because she was just so aggressive and so tough and she just annihilated her opponents. And so, you know, Amanda's, you know, surpassed Rousey and surpassed Cyborg and you know now 
Wow. Holy cow. Her, her legacy is uh, definitely unmatched in the women's yeah, game. For sure, because the thing with Amanda Nunes is she has the power of Cyborg, and then she has the jiu-jitsu and wrestling skills of Rousey. Yeah. So if you combine those two, I don't know, you, you've just created a monster, like a real monster, like, like something out of your darkest nightmares. And you're just like, oh, my, you're a real person? This is a real thing? You can really do these things? It's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible what she's done, and it's incredible how she's taken the baton and just ran with it. She took it from Rousey, the passing of the torch, and now she's, she's, just, she's in a different stratosphere altogether. She yeah. really is. Yeah. Well, you were mentioning, uh, you know, the Cody Garbrandt knockout. Another knockout that night that happened was uh, Sean O'Malley. What, what did you think of that, Kale? That was pretty unbelievable. Sean O'Malley is he's sneaky. He's got, yeah. he got some, he's got some sneaky power because it looked like Wineland was in it. And I'm like, because, like, as far as I'm concerned, I would say that Wineland was the stronger of the two fighters. Yeah. But I, I forget that O'Malley does have accuracy on his side. He's a very accurate puncher. And then he caught him on a counter, and it was quick. It was crisp. And it wasn't a hook. It was a straight punch, I believe. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, is that it? And then, and then he walked off. He, he Mark hunted him. He Mark hunted the man. He walked off. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I guess that's it. My job is done. I'm like, well, wait. he could. No, I guess Eddie's not getting up. Nope. Eddie's not getting up for a while. Yeah. It was, I was very, very impressed. I was very impressed because that was the one ending to that fight I did not think was going to happen. I did not think that O'Malley had the power to walk out, to knock out Wineland because I don't believe Wineland's ever been knocked out before. No, so, he hadn't, no. Yeah. He hadn't, and, and you know, it's amazing. Um, I've been, you know, I do look at these tweets, and I really think that's adding an element to these fights that is really fun. And I, and I don't think um, over the years I would have really – paid attention to the tweets. I would have been too focused on the fighting, but uh, all of a sudden they started putting the tweets in the corner and I, I look who's making them. And I, you know, I, I briefly just look at, you know, the gist of what they're saying. And uh, somebody said, right, right as they were walking out, he said, uh, you know, this is probably a very unpopular opinion, but I think Sean O'Malley is going to be exposed for not being that great of a fighter. And I think Wyland's going to take him out. And, and I think a lot of people thought, you know, the difference in, in Wineland's body, he's so much more compact, so much more powerful yeah. than, than yeah. we thought of O'Malley. We thought O'Malley, you know, he's very, very slight. He's really yes. tall, and he de doesn't look like a knockout guy. But, wow, did he ever impress and, and shock everybody that was watching that fight. Yeah, because sometimes some of these lanky fighters, they have this, like, sort of, like, whiplash power, like yeah. where they whip their punch in, and it's just got this – this whipping motion, and then that's where a lot of power comes from, is from this whipping motion. And so lanky fighters like that are deceptive because they can catch you. Yeah. And then that's, that's what happened to Wineland, and he, he, he slept him. He went to sleep. He slept him, and he put him to sleep like a baby, and then that was it. Because I remember, I think it was Joe was saying, and he's still asleep. He's still resting. I, I and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, hopefully, you know that he doesn't rest for too much longer because then it can get kind of scary. But yeah. eventually, the man w woke up and he said, "Hey, you caught me." 
And it was good. It was a good fight. It was a good step up in competition for O'Malley to see what he has. And now we know he's got something. Yeah, he sure does. Yeah. Yeah, he was cocky and he, he delivered and, you know, it was pretty impressive. Uh, the uh, One of the other fights I just want to cover briefly is Aljamain Sterling. It was great to see so many good bantamweights on that card and see how the, you know, the progression of these guys are going to go up and, you know, try to get this belt. Uh, what do you think of Aljamain? Wow, to me, it was just the most impressive, quick submission, bam. He came out like a house on fire. He came out like, okay. If I get this guy out of here quick, I think I'll make more money or something like that. Like It's almost as if I just don't have the time to mess around tonight. Yeah. I'm just going to try to get this done. Like, he just attacked him. He, yeah. he, he blitzed him. Literally blitzed the man. And the guy is really good. He was an up-and-comer. And Aljamain has done that to a couple guys now that had undefeated records. And then Aljo became their one, their, their, their loss. Their loss. And yeah. so... He blitzed this man, and he just – Aljo looked amazing. Yeah. He looked amazing. He looked fast. But he was just – more than anything else, he was super confident. Yeah. He knew exactly what he wanted to do to attack him. You could tell. He had, he had a mindset, and he knew – I think he maybe even pictured how that fight was going to end. And yeah. I think he knew what the ending was, so he just had to make sure that happened by doing, going through all the repetitions he did and practice and stuff. But yeah, he, that was one of the best looking, that is the best looking version of Aljamain Sterling. So, and I think there's talk of maybe now he gets a title shot. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. We'll see. Uh, that, it just really made that whole division exciting. Those two huge fights on, in that, on that card. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited to see how that starts playing itself out. Now the Cejudo, you know, retired and. Yes. Know, it. Wow, it was like, okay, let's see what, what happens now. And all these guys are really determined to prove who's the, the class of the division. And, and great yeah. to see Garbrandt get back in there. And, you know, it's, it's just going to be great. I, I, I really envy those guys that are putting these matches on in the next little while in that division. Yes, yes. And I, and I am super happy that the UFC did forge forth and – do the things necessary to put these events back on so that us desperate sports fans had something to consume. Yeah. And so I applaud the UFC in leading the charge so that others know that this is possible. It's possible yeah. to put on sporting events. It's possible to go forward even in this new norm. Yeah, no, it's so wonderful. Bravo. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy I'm a fan. I'm so happy that, you know, they've been able to fill this void and, you know, we've, you know, it's so great to talk fighting with guys that, you know, are, are like you, you know, very big aficionados of it. And, you know, I keep getting texts and, and, you know, lots of chatter from amongst my friends and the guys that are, you know, following the sport. And it, it's so, you know, makes it fun again. I, I, I can't believe how much I've missed sports and, you know, to, to be able to have these weekends come and, you know, talk about it as it's coming and then during the night and then after like this, it's, it's, it's just awesome. It, it makes me so happy. It makes me feel like, you know, sports is coming back and, you know, yeah. we can, we can enjoy things like this again. It just, it just gives you something to look forward to, you know, like something else to break up your day because these days can go on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And they seem to meld together before you know it. 
just like the other day I was talking to a friend and I'm just like, wait, wait, what day was that? What day was that that I did that? But yeah. now if I can point to the day and say, wait, that was the day that UFC was on. So, yeah, no, no, I got it. I know what day it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, before we uh, leave the UFC, um, I, you mentioned Gaethje from uh, UFC 249 against Ferguson. Uh, obviously, the Cejudo fight was on, on that card as well. Uh, how shocked were you that he walked away from the game, retired uh, in the cage there? Uh, what were your thoughts about that? Well, well, clearly, Cejudo still has so much more left in the tank, so much more to give. I was, I was shocked, honestly, because obviously, like, he's still a young man, and I think he still has a lot to give. But then if you think a little bit more past the reasoning of why he decided to quit and everything else, well, he still has his health. He still has his faculties. And then also, too, this is me just throwing this out there. Obviously, I, I have no idea. But maybe conversations with upper management about how he was getting paid or the points off the pay-per-views that he was making, maybe he felt that it was just not worth his time to continue because they were not willing to pay him the money that he was worth. Yeah. Because, obviously, the man's worth quite a bit. He's a champ. And the only man that's beat him has been uh, a guy that uh, was one of the best ever, Demetrius yeah. Johnson. And that's it. That's the guy that beat him. You know, yeah. like, and so uh, I, I don't I – don't, maybe he felt that the respect wasn't there yeah. and that the money wasn't there. And so that he just – and then also, too, I know that he's a very smart man and I know he has other ventures ready, ready to go. So right. with that being said, you know, He's looking at his body and he's looking at his future and he said, you know what? I, I don't need to make money doing it this way anymore. Yeah. So. I hear you. Know, you. Yeah. yeah. Um, that card, that card was fantastic for me. The uh, Nagano KO of Rosenstrike. Um, Anthony Pettis, uh, you know, looking really good against Cerrone. Uh, there was a lot of really good fights on that card, but the thing that that made me so happy. The thing that was most impressive to me about the whole night was that they announced that GSP is making the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he was going to, but to finally hear the words and see the um, clips about his career and stuff like that uh, made me proud and made me really happy that he finally got his due in that regard. And uh, how'd you feel about that? Ah, uh, so proud. So proud to be a Canadian, you know, like that. If, if there's ever an ambassador for a sport that you ever want somebody to just to be representative of that sport, it's GSP. Yeah. The man has held himself. He, he's one of the classiest fighters you could ever find anywhere on the globe. Yeah. He, he holds himself to a certain standard that a lot of the young fighters can, you know, they could say, you know what? I want to be like that. He's right. got respect for the game. He respects himself. He carries yeah. himself like a champion and he's, you know, champion in two different divisions too as well right like he's he always did it the right way and and he was such an exciting fighter and so athletically gifted he earned that he earned every single part of that yeah like he he's, he's one of the greatest ever to have ever put him on put on those ufc gloves yeah it was a it was a proud day indeed to see him inducted into the hall of fame yeah, it was <laughs> incredible for me. And, uh, you know, Dana White has always mentioned that Canada is such a hotbed for mixed martial arts. Um, before the Australian cards, 
uh, highest live gates ever for events here in Canada outside, you know, even higher than anything in the US, uh, was always impressed. I always thought that the popularity of mixed martial arts in Canada was just, uh, you know, attributed to GSP and his team being able to get him on top and keep him on top for so long. And uh, I thought it would spur a ton of really great Canadian fighters that would come into the UFC. And, and it has. We, we see so many amazing fighters. We see so many cards here in Canada now. And, uh, you know, a typical example, Felicia Spencer, right from Montreal, you know, gets an opportunity at the belt. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the sky's the limit. And, you know, the the things that are happening because of his amazing career and you know what he did, uh, you know, are just going to keep coming and coming and coming for, for Canada and for the UFC and, and fighters in general. Yeah, because basically now, because of GSP's success, he put Canada in the radar of the UFC matchmakers and Dana White yeah. so that now they, they can look at our grassroots programs and say, no, man, you, you, you Canadians got some good fighters up there. Okay, so now I'm going to pay attention. Now I'm going to try to get you guys in here because you deserve it. Uh, from, for example, like Tristan, that one in uh, Vancouver. That's yeah. another Canadian prodigy. Conley, I've yeah. actually gone to the man's gym. And what he did that night was amazing. Oh, wow. Amazing. He, he beat a man that was two weight divisions above because he didn't make weight. And he took him down, like, so if you got Canadian fighters like that, well, Dana White's all about that. Oh, give me more of that. <laughs> give me more of that. I need more of that in my life. Exactly, so yeah. I, um, when you mentioned about Henry Cejudo and his um, payout for that fight, um, I, had, I had seen the um, payouts earlier and i actually looked at it today but i just uh while you were talking i wanted to just make sure i was accurate but okay. he got uh he got three hundred fifty thousand dollars for that fight and you know to me that's not enough it, it really no. isn't you know for for a guy that's double champion uh you know has beat some of the greatest fighters uh you know we've ever seen and, and you know dominated a lot of competition in those weight classes and you know to be co-main event and get three hundred fifty thousand, it's 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 not enough. It's definitely not enough. And you know I I feel like he is justified if it was about money. Yeah, because like again, it's a respect thing. And then for whatever reason, for whatever reason, sometimes I I feel that like the UFC disadvantages their smaller fighters. Yeah. And I don't know why that is because a champ is a champ. It doesn't matter regardless of what weight class they're in. Because he's a freaking amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. And so you're going to take this amazing fighter and you're not going to pay him his due. Because as DC likes to call him, he's a champ champ. Champ champ. <laughs> you just don't have champ champs. They just don't grow on trees. You know, these are once in a generation type fighters. There's four. Yes. There's four. four. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Once I mean, out of, out of thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have strapped on the gloves and, and went in there, you know, four, four people. It's, you know, it's an elite class and, you know, he, he deserves so much more than, than that. And, you know, yeah. it, it's always been a frustrating aspect for me that UFC, you know, this doesn't seem to compensate, especially the smaller guy, 
as as much and you know um it's disappointing to see a guy that skilled and that amazing and had that great of a career walk away at such a young age and and you know i think there could have been so many more exciting you know events and fights that he would have been a part of uh you know the ufc's missing out big time and losing losing a lot with with a guy like that leaving the game yeah, but I, I hope he doesn't leave the game completely because I've, I've heard the man speak and he speaks quite intelligently. So maybe maybe a future in the broadcast booth is in his future. Yeah. Because, like, you know, like once once those guys get in the booth, they're, they get pretty comfortable. I don't know. <laughs> it seems that ESPN's got some money for them. So maybe that's in his future. You know, because yeah. like, I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing Cejudo in the broadcast booth uh, putting forth his knowledge towards the fights in the future maybe that is maybe that isn't i guess only time will tell but i i think whatever he decides to do he's going to be success because that guy doesn't lose at what he does does he's got such good personality he's you know he's he's funny he's you know he's got a lot you know to offer and he knows the game really really well and to be able to study guys like demetrius johnson and figure out how to beat him you know figure out how to beat um, T.J. Dillashaw and, you know, Dominic Cruz, you know, guys that were just amazing in their career as well. And, you know, obviously he knows the game really well and his his team has done incredible things with him. And he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. He's, you know, but he's been able to beat everybody that's the top of that division over the last bunch of years. So, yeah, impressive. It's impressive because, like, the, like if you wanna if you wanna talk about similarities in like in a fight career, um, Cejudo's like Daniel Cormier, yeah. both like uh, you know Olympic gold medalists, yeah. or and both are winners. They yeah. won at the highest level, yeah. but both had their nemesis too. DC right. John Jones and and uh, Cejudo at the time was Demetrius Johnson, yeah. and they both had to overcome. Well, DC kind of never, but Cejudo did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. overcame. And when you overcome that hilltop and then now you're at the top of the mountain, but all of a sudden you, you see that the top of the mountain isn't as green as some others. Right. Then you're like, well, what, what, what is this? What gives? Why? Yeah. Why? And then, you know, and then I, I understand why you would want to just say, you know what? I think I'm good because why should he actually have to fight for his money all the time? Yeah. He's already proven it. Exactly. He's proven it many many times over by this point in time right yeah so you just like it speaks for itself just watch some tape yeah that's it a guy like him i i think he's going to be successful in anything he does and you're right you know it would be smart for espn or you know uh, even other fight organizations to try to scoop him up and make him you know one of their analysts and you know he'll 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 be successful in whatever he does i'm sure he's he's a smart guy and i'm very impressed with him so yeah yeah, I, I wanted to switch gears now. Um, you know, I think we should uh, touch a little bit on, um, you know, what's happened in the sports world with so many uh, athletes um, standing up and protesting over George Floyd and uh, all the um, oppression and uh, racial inequality and, you know, police um the problems with the, that the police have had, uh, you know, it's um, it's amazing. I don't know why this particular incident is the one that has hit the tipping point and it has just seemed to say that's enough. No more of this. Let's, uh, you know, stop it from this point forward. Uh, super impressed with 
so many of the comments that I'm seeing from uh, so many different people. And, uh, you know, I think the one that's, um, that, that's resonated with me over the past few days is uh, Roger Goodell has uh, finally chimed in and has, you know, said the NFL was wrong and how they approached this over the last four years. And, and uh, you know, it, it was a shock to me. Uh, you know, I think it was a shock to you. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on, on hearing that uh, comment from Roger Goodell? Uh, okay, so I'm going to get up for this one because it was that shocking. Because, okay, all right, so the NFL – is known for being hardliners. They don't ever switch from their position, ever, no. <laughs> ever, man, ever. They don't, they just don't. They don't do it. They don't do it. But in this particular moment, he actually completely switched his position. I had to replay that five or six times because I'm like, nah, no, nah, man, he couldn't. No, he didn't say. He didn't do it. He didn't do that, did he? Did he just go back on everything that he's put out before? Unbelievable. Unbelievable because then it gives you hope. Because yeah. if a hardliner like that can actually switch their tone to something completely opposite because of the new information, the willingness to educate themselves, yeah. to learn about the issue, and then come back with a revised, you know, opinion on the situation, well then you know what? That's great. That's yeah. forward progress. That's what we need. That's what yeah. we need. And and it was, I say bravo to the NFL. I say bravo to the NFL for finally realizing exactly what Cap was trying to say back then yeah. to now, that yeah. you finally realize that. And also, too, the reason why this is almost like the perfect storm for all of this stuff to happen is because we're in the middle of a pandemic and there's nothing else for us to focus on. Right. Once that happened, people were like this. My goodness, do they always have to deal with that? Is that a thing they have to deal with all the time in their yeah. let me tell you something. Yes it is. Yeah. Yes it is. It's, yeah. it's something that we've always had to deal with and now everybody else literally knows. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, no, it was uh it was shocking to me as well. And you know, great to great to see the NFL backtrack and say, you know, we were wrong. I I wish he would have uh addressed Colin Kaepernick in that uh statement. That would have been even just much more you know much more impactful because you know he's the one that that you know exposed the nfl to it and said you know i'm kneeling down because of this um you know i think um the message got convoluted because uh you know trump got involved and said you know this is against the, the flag and against the troops and against this the, the whole country and all this yeah. stupid stuff that you know was mixing the message up but you know, it was the message was always forget this. You know, we got to stop this police brutality, and yes. we, you know, we just got to stop this oppression and police brutality. And and you know, when Drew Brees made a statement, uh, you know, he was hammered. And you know, I don't, I don't know why he didn't get the message because he's in the locker room with these guys. You know, every day, all through the season, for off season too, he's you know around these guys. And you know, I think. It was shocking to most people that a guy that close to the scenario of it didn't actually realize what that kneeling was about. It wasn't yeah. about the flag. It was about this, you know, social injustice, police brutality, all this this stuff. And he was hammered so quick, he backtracked really fast. And I hope it doesn't, uh, you know, change 
everybody's opinion of him for the rest of his life. Uh, you know, it was a mistake he made and he owned up to it really quick, but um, you know, it's, it's good that people said, Hey, no, what are you thinking about? It's not about that. It's about yep. this. Please yep. everybody realize this is what it's about. Yes, of course. Because like, unfortunately for Drew Brees, he was, uh, what, what's, uh, what's that uh, phrase I'm looking for? He was tone deaf. He's right. tone deaf. He didn't, yeah. he didn't, he, it's almost like, if it's not a part of my life, then I'm not really going to focus on that. Yeah. And it's not really a part of his life. It's part of his teammates' lives, indefinitely, but it's right. really not a part of his. So it took him a while to get back on the same page as everybody else, as the rest of his teammates and stuff. And I do appreciate the fact that his teammates reached out to him right away. Yeah. Like Michael Thomas being one of them and said, oh, no, 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 no. Don't confuse one with the other. All right? Yeah. Yeah. Because... um. There, there was a, there was a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Dominique Foxworthy, who used to be the president of NFLPA. The way that he put it was just, it was perfect, I thought. Because nice. it was just a different perspective on how to look at the whole kneeling during the flag. It's like, the flag is supposed to be representative of the, of the Constitution and then the inalienable rights that Americans have. Right. Now, if society is failing what that's supposed to live up to, then it's your duty to protest that. It's your right. And so that's what he should have done because that was the right thing to do. And that was basically, in short, what Dominique was saying. And I thought, beautiful. It's beautiful because that was, and that was the best way to draw attention to the cause. He did it. Like he branded it in a way that it, it drew, people were like, what's going on here? What's happening? What's his issue? What's he talking about? And that was four years ago. Four years ago, he said, he, you could say he lit the fire to get us to this point to where we are right now. Yeah, right. Which is awesome. Which it's is awesome. really awesome, yeah. Um, everybody, uh, I've got Jason Cameron on, on the World of Sports. You're listening to World of Sports and uh, just want to make sure you know it's Jason Cameron here. Um, I, I, I have a couple more comments about this. Um, I think Colin Kaepernick, um, you know, was was so bold and, and brave for doing that, um, you know, sacrificing his his um, NFL career over it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if he'll he'll ever get a shot again. And, you know, more, more than likely not, because it's been four years and it's really hard to, you know, get get back into the NFL when you've missed that much time. But, um, you know, guys like Muhammad Ali, when he stood up and said, no, I'm not, I'm not joining the military. I'm not going to Vietnam. He lost four years of his prime. And, you know, look at how revered Muhammad Ali is and always, and always has been, uh, you know, after that period. He was quite unpopular with a lot of people when he made that decision. And, you know, he was in a lot of trouble. He had the risk of going to jail and, and losing his, his career forever. But, you know, he was standing up for the, the rights and, you know, look, look at how revered he is. And I hope Colin Kaepernick, you know, can reach that level eventually at some point. Because you know what? Sometimes doing the right thing is some of the hard, it's one of the hardest things to do, yeah. but you have to really appreciate those that can yeah. and know what you're going to lose if you are to do this thing, yeah. which is literally for Kaepernick, it was his career. Yeah. But he was willing to sacrifice that to further the cause. And that, not like I said, not a lot of people have that within them to do that. 
knowing what is on the other side of that equation, which is the loss that you might suffer. Yeah. Well, look at how many years it's been since Muhammad Ali and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when, you know, he, he changed his name from Lou Alcindor to Kareem. You know, there yep. was a lot of backlash. And, and he's always been looked at as somebody that you go to when, you know, subjects of race and inequality and, and you know, lots of the problems have been. But look at how many years it's been since those guys rose to prominence. There hasn't yep. been, you know, I can't really name a lot of people in the sporting world that sacrificed so much to be able to speak out on, on, on all these subjects and, and, and just say, hey, enough is enough. Let's stop this. We have to become a divided nation. We have to become a divided human race. And, and yeah. you know, it's fantastic that Colin Kaepernick did it. Uh, you know, I think it, this NFL season coming up is going to show, you know, complete solidarity between so many of the athletes. And I think, you know, this is a, this is a great tipping point. I think, you know, George Floyd sacrificed – uh, for the world as a better, you know, to be a better place. And, and let's hope going forward, uh, you know, things never get back, go back to the way they were. Yeah, it's unfortunate that the man lost his life, but we, we need to now use this opportunity for that particular, for his loss of life and for all the others to have effective change going forward. Yeah. We, we need to know, we need to do this for them so that, it's just not a senseless death yeah. that didn't do anything because it, like all of them have been senseless. All of them, all of them not needed because yeah. you look at George Floyd and you think to yourself, so if he just decided not to go to the convenience store that day, none of this happens. Yeah. None of this, yeah. but he did. Right. So we need to now go forward use this as the momentum that it's needed for change so that as you said it doesn't happen anymore because it is getting kind of tiresome to see this happen all the time yeah it is time for change it's time for change yeah the the only thing that, that you know i think about that sort of is you know in correlation with this is these school shootings in the us and I don't know why some of these just haven't reached that tipping point. And everybody said, enough's enough. Let's, you know, let's change this. Let's make sure these never happen again. And, you know, yep. that, that, that's something that, you know, we hear way too often happens every school year. There's school shootings and, you know, it's got to be scary to go to school and, and wonder if you're going to make it home alive and have, you know, you're sending your kids to school and wondering, you know, some, some kid gets angry, upset. He, you know, goes into a school and that's it. My kid doesn't come home. You know, that's, that's something that's wrong with the, you know, the, the problems in the U S and you know, this, this has shown a big reflection on it. Hopefully we can transition and get, get rid of that too. Uh, you know, there's, there's been way too much of that. Well, we just have, we have a chance right now. We have a chance to look within ourselves and see what need, really needs to change. What, and how can we affect that change? Like, how can we, how can we do this to make sure that this doesn't happen anymore? Because right now, a lot of us have a lot of time on our hands. Lots yeah. and lots and lots of time. So this, yeah, this, this pandemic has been obviously horrible, losing, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives. And, you know, it's been, it's been really, um, uh, you know, tough on people's mental health, uh, tough on a lot of people's physical health. Um, but I think, um, you know, there can be positives, hopefully coming from it, changes to the world. Um, time to reflect a lot more, a lot of people are spending a lot more time with their families. Uh, I think it's going to, you know, change the world and, 
And, you know, this happened probably at a time where it has the, the ability to, you know, in, invoke change and, and make things, you know, better, make, make this world a better place. So. Yes. Yes. I believe so too. Right. Because you have to, you have to get some sort of positive out of this whole situation, you know, like, and if you, if you can kind of facilitate some sort of personal growth in your own life, then you know what, this is your opportunity to do that. This is your, this is your chance to do that. And so, and then also too, if it's your chance to educate yourself on issues that you didn't know of before, you're also your chance to do that too. So like, you know, like the more, the more information, the more education you have, the better off you're going to be and the better off society as a whole is going to be. You're right. You're right. Couldn't have said it better. Excellent. Yeah. Um, switching gears now a little bit. Uh, we're speaking with Jason Cameron on the world of sports here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the NBA. Uh, I'm excited. I've been really starting to look at possible matchups. I've been starting to think about how unique it is that they're just playing these last eight regular season games before they get the playoffs rolling. There's not a lot going to be a lot of movement, so you can start really seeing how these uh, matchups are are, are going to be put together. But um, the one thing about the the bottom of the West Division, uh, or West Western Conference, really makes me excited. Um, the uh, the Grizzlies with John Morant, uh, you know, they uh, they're in the eighth position and they got to fight off all these teams that are trying to catch them. They have no no chance to get to seventh, so. It's uh, eight, eight through about maybe 10 or 11, you know, has a, has a shot at that last position. It's going to be really great. Him and, uh, him and the Blazers are going to go at it, um, the Pelicans. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a bit of a fight for that rookie of the year. I think John Morant deserves it. But if Zion can uh, get in there and knock, knock the Grizzlies out, you know, maybe, maybe they give it to him. But uh, what are your thoughts? Okay. Okay. So this is what I'm going to say. John Moran actually should win Rookie of the Year. But, but, if Zion Williamson wills his team into that eighth position, wins eight straight games, and plays out of his head, then I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. But, because, like, honestly, John Moran has actually played the entire season. He is a fantastic player. He has shown his quality. He is that good. But then Zion Williamson is... He's this athletic freak of a man. He's like a tight end playing basketball. Like, it, it is ridiculous. And he can jump through the roof at 280. I don't know how he does that. Nobody knows how he does that. And so I, I, am, I am super – I'm excited to see this particular playoffs go forward because this is a, one of the first times where you can just say, well, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a LeBron and a Steph Curry team, whatever, you know. This time, it's anybody's game. Anybody can win this. Anybody. This is the most parity that we've seen in the league in years. Years. And so I'm super excited to see see them start getting going again. I I, I like the fact that they're doing some regular season games so they can get back into the swing of things because those guys are not going to be game ready or at least not playoff ready, not yet. Yeah. So they do need some games to, you know, tighten up the game and back up again and get it all going again. So, um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. It's be a little bit weird to see, you know, basketball games played without fans and stuff, but whatever. Yeah. Well, it's such a contact sport that I, I get it. And they were the first, you know, they were the first league to say, well, 
uh oh, you know, Gobert gets gets coronavirus and then they shut down and then all the other leagues followed suit. So it was, you know, it was them and and you know, they they definitely had some troubles with coronavirus in the in the early stages and um yeah, it's going to be weird. You know, all these sports are strange without fans. It, it, it's just a whole new world, and it's going to be really uh, different. But, you know, to have it in a hub like that and, uh, you know, to be there, them all there and they're just 100% focused on basketball, nobody's out partying, nobody's out, you know, <laughs> you know, just f- trying to find ladies all the time. It's just like, hey, I got to focus on, you know, two, three months of basketball and, you know, as much as I can will my team to get to the places, it's going to be great. I, I, I think, yeah, like you're right. You know, we, we just had four years in a row of Golden State and Cleveland. And, you know, yeah. it was just sort of inevitable start of the season. Everybody predicted that and it happened. And this year, you know, there's, there's a lot of wild cards. There's a lot of, going to be a lot of interesting matchups. And, uh, and you just don't, don't really know because a lot of these guys had no ability to keep their basketball skills up you know so they're gonna have to use this eight games to get there but yep but you know some of them they need those eight games to seed themselves properly and you know have the best matchups and you know if if guys just been sitting on his couch eating hamburgers and just hanging out you know what you know (laughs) oh he's not ready for the the season you know look out so stuff yeah it's kind of funny because like it's almost like we're going back to the 80s style where you got you got back in the game shape by by playing, you right. didn't come. You didn't come to to the practice and stuff already in shape like they do now. You just came and it's like, now nah, I've been on the couch about three months straight. I got a lot of weight to work off. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's try to get this done. <laughs> yeah. It was it was uh, it was Alan Iverson's 45th first birthday yesterday, and I saw some tributes to him and lots of highlights and stuff like that. And of course, they they played that uh, famous. Practice? You talking about practice? <laughs> and it was it was hilarious, you know, just to see that because he 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 didn't like to practice and no. and a lot of NBA players really don't, you know, a lot of athletes don't really like to practice. They they know how good they are, they know how skilled they are, and you know they can show their talents when they get on the field, on the court, whatever, uh, you know. But but guys like Kobe, you know, guys like Jordan, when we saw the Last Dance and saw how. You know, brutal he was in practice, how relentless he was with his teammates. Uh, Kobe Bryant got the Mamba mentality after, you know, seeing Jordan and trying to raise to his level. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these guys have realized, wow, practice is pretty important and I better, you know, be in shape and come to the come to the games uh, at my tip-top level. Well, of course, because you can have all the, the God-given talent in the world. But what if you equate, like, what if you add – to the God-given talent, iron work ethic yeah. along with that. Hey, I think I know what the answer is. You get like Michael Jordan. You get six for six. You get to go to the finals and people go, well, that's a done deal. He's going to win again. Okay, <laughs> so what about next year? <laughs> that's what you get. That's yeah. what you get once you're willing to literally, as Jordan said, sacrifice everything to win and to drag your teammates along with you kicking and screaming whether they want to come with you or not you don't care yeah. you got championships to win yeah exactly yeah so yeah no i mean that last dance it was really really amazing for me just uh just to see the level of commitment he had and the will to win and 
you know, it, unfortunately, it, it can't fly these days because, you know, people are so, you know, hey, that's bullying tactics and, you know, hey, you can't talk to me that way. And, and so, you know, we're probably never going to see somebody, um, you know, be able to will their teammates to levels that, you know, Jordan was able to bring them to. But, you know, really great to watch. And, you know, one of the things that blew me away the most was just the unprecedented access that they gave this camera crew, you know, just able to go in there and be there every day and ask the questions and, you know, have an ability to really, you know, find out on a day-to-day basis what it took to, you know, bring those six for six. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was refreshing to see uh, the curtain pulled back. Yeah. And then because you've already seen Michael Jordan as the professional that he is, the basketball player always conducting himself in a certain way and yada, yada. This time, you actually got to see what the man is all about. Yeah. Refreshing, man. Like, yeah. he's cussing. You yeah. cuss? Hilarious, yeah. Like, like, I was just like, oh, this, this is fantastic. This is <laughs> yeah. And he had some of, the, some of the best one-liners in there. And, like, yeah. you know, like, even when he's talking about, you know, certain guys, and you could feel that I'm still pissed. And like right. when you talk about Clyde Drexler, he goes, yeah, I took offense to that. It's like, I think you still take offense to that. Yeah. <laughs> he still <laughs> holds grudges on guys for sure. Yeah, and he used that as, as fuel all the time. It was hilarious. He, he would just look at a team and think, okay, what's going to fuel me? How am I going to get mad at these guys? What, what is it going to take? And who, yeah. who do I hate? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it, 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 it's just funny because not, then some people are just, well, yeah, I don't want to say nothing. Like, yeah. there's, there's a great story. There's a great story of Kevin Garnett when he first came into the league as a rookie. And then, so he's playing with the Timberwolves and his guard, Isaiah Ryder's having a great game against Jordan. And, and Kevin Garnett's like, oh, you got him. Oh, you got him, man. Oh, you, you just keep handing him, giving it to him. Just keep giving it to him. Yeah. And Isaiah's like, hey, man, keep your voice down. <laughs> and then he goes to Jordan, I, rookie. He doesn't know what he's talking about, Mike. He's like, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep. And then I was like, damn, it was too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's an amazing story. And uh, Reggie Miller has a similar story. And, you know, a lot of guys, uh, when, when he came to Vancouver, you know, one of the guys started chirping him after Jordan was having a slow first half. And boom, he turns it on and, you know, lights him up and wins the game easy. And, you know, yep. yeah, he, he, was, he was amazing that he needed that fuel all the time. He was he was always on, but you know, at times he just needed that extra boost just to you know yeah. step on their neck and, and finish it off and just yeah you know, that was it that, done yeah. deal yeah like especially so. like let's say that if he had a bad game and then you said something to him then all of a sudden it was just like what did you just say and it's like all of a sudden oh man he's having the game and it's like what did you say to him why did you do that. Don't okay. don't pull on Superman's cape. You don't say nothing to Michael Jordan. You just go, ah, man, you're doing great, man. Like yeah. you pump him up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't do the don't do and, the and, and, you know, speaking of Jordan, uh, so great to see. You know, he's pledged uh, him and uh, Air Jordan Brown a hundred million dollars to you know this cause, and uh, you know I, I'm I'm so proud that you know he is finally taking a stance. You know, there was a lot of um, criticism of him in his early career, and you know, not not for me, and you know, not from a lot of people that appreciated so much about him. But you know, he did receive that criticism that he wouldn't take a stand, and you know, he had a, a public image that he wanted to, you know, 
have at that time yeah. in his life. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's amazing to see him, you know, speak openly these days and also, you know, get behind causes like this is really, really awesome. Well, yeah, because like now that he's been away from the game, he actually has the flexibility of not actually always have to worry about himself or his brand or how his brand's perceived and everything else that goes into that. Yeah. Now he can just be like, no, I, I didn't like that. Okay, we're going to do something about it because oh, Michael Jordan, I have a lot of money. I have a lot of money. Oh, man, okay. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's fantastic. That's fantastic that he's willing to pledge that much money for this because like himself and like so many others we we see it we can see you can see that this is our chance this is our chance to get all of it back to where it should have always been to the equal level playing field for everybody across the board this is our chance and okay so michael jordan didn't do all of that for most of his career I'd say a hundred million should absolve him of all of that. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I would say a hundred million should absolve yeah. him of everything. So yeah. You're right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. We're on the world of sports today. Speaking of Jason Cameron, um, you know, I just want to finish this off with a little bit of a basketball commentary. Uh, you know, this season to me was one of the worst in NBA history. Uh, it was just really tough to see um, Steph Curry get hurt, really tough to see Zion not be able to start his career properly off. There was, um, you know, a lot of a lot of issues and difficulties, and then all of a sudden, you know, wham, we were hit with uh, Rudy Gobert, you know, acting really nonchalant when he gets the coronavirus and infecting his teammates and, uh, you know, having the, the league be the one that gets shut down and, you know, all these difficulties that were happening in the sport. And then all of a sudden now, you know, we're a month and a half away from, you know, them being able to redeem this season and being able to go forward and have an amazing playoffs. And, you know, uh, wow. It's amazing how a few months can just change so many different things in life. And, you know, this is great. I'm so excited for the NBA. I've, I've been a basketball fan my whole life, but, you know, there hasn't been, as as excitement levels as I'm seeing, you know, here and there, and wow, this is going to be fantastic. Yes, I I am super jazzed and excited to see the NBA finally come back. Um, and uh, just because of what I mentioned before, the parity in the league yeah. is unprecedented right now. It's anybody's chance to win. Shoot, even James Harden, even James Harden, he's got a shot with that. That weird offense where nobody's above like six foot eight. I have no idea. I didn't think it was gonna work, but it works. Yeah. Okay, so let's cool. see what happens with that offense in the playoffs. I'm just I'm just overjoyed to see sports slowly trickling back into our society. And I'm just very happy and fortunate to see this playoffs go off the way it's gonna go because I think it's gonna be epic. I think it's gonna be fantastic. You're right, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, I did want to um, touch on the NFL. Um, you know, the funny thing about the NFL is because of the timing, they were in their offseason. Uh, this, this coronavirus hasn't really affected them. They were able to conduct that draft. Um, you know, obviously it was a different draft, not having the, uh, the players all gathered together in a theater or whatever uh, arena. But, um, you know, I thought they did an amazing job with the, the draft and, you know, seeing the guys in their homes with their families. 
you know, reacting to getting drafted. That was really fun and really great. And, uh, you know, there has been a lot of movement in the offseason. Uh, obviously, the biggest movement was Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay and, you know, uh, Gronk coming back and joining him. Uh, you know, I think that rejuvenates that franchise and, and, and you know, that whole uh, division. And, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, – there's been a lot of movement, a lot of exciting things to look forward to. And, you know, they're going to just be able to hit the ground running and, you know, have, a, have an amazing season, I think, like usual. Oh, yeah, man. Like Tampa Bay's – yeah, you could say now that Tampa Bay has a, is a legitimate threat to get to the Super Bowl. Um, I guess the only question is, uh, how's Tom Brady going to look when he comes back? Yeah. You know, like uh, because it seemed like he was he was beginning to lose a step from last year. Like you know that that playoff game that he lost. Usually Brady pulls those games out. Yeah. So with that being said, you know he's got better receivers there and better weapons now in Tampa Bay than he did in in uh, Patriot land. Yeah. So let's, let's see. It'll be curious to see what he can do. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what he can do. And also too, I'm kind of curious to see how much longer he wants to keep doing this. Like, is this his last year? Does he got another year? Like, honestly, come on, man. Like how, how long does he want to play for? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 We'll see. We'll see. And uh, I kind of just wanted to end it with uh, talking about boxing. I know that, um, you, you said you weren't focused on the, the fight tomorrow night, but I think it's the first boxing card since the pandemic hit and top yeah. ranked boxing is, is putting on a card. Um, one of the fighters, Makayla, maybe her name is, uh, she tested positive for coronavirus. So she's, she's off the card and that was the co-main. But uh, the main event is uh, Shakur Stevenson. And uh, obviously I think he was named for Tupac Shakur. Uh, yeah. I think he was, um, you know, destined to have a um, very prominent life. And, uh, you know, the um, some of the reports that I've been seeing about him blew me, blew me away. And I, I know you're, you know, you're much more tuned into boxing than I always am. I'm, I'm a little more on the UFC side from combat sports. Love boxing, always have. But you seem to be more tuned in. I just wanted to, to touch on a little bit of with Shakur, um, you know, especially – him being compared, he's even comparing himself a little bit to Mayweather. And, and you know, it's, it's hilarious to do it at his, uh, you know, level so far. He's 13-0 and 0 compared to Mayweather 50. Um, but, uh, you know, some of these stats that I saw over the last few days were, blew me away. Um, he, got, he, got, he only gets hit with 4% of jabs that guys throw. Uh, you know, and if you can't hit a guy, how can you beat him? Uh, he, he faced the guy that he faced um, to get the belt. Uh, he only hit him four times in the whole entire fight in 12 rounds. Uh, you know, just tell me about your, your thoughts on him and, and, you know, how, how has he become so amazingly dominant like this? Okay. Well, Shakur Stevenson, from what, from what I know of the, the young man, he's always been a winner. Like, like he's, his amateur career and his Olympic career, uh, it, it mirrors, to a certain extent, another boxer, Andre Ward. Right. He's literally that good. Yeah. He is that good. And then you see the fundamentals, uh, the way he sits down on his punches, the speed. But more, but more than anything is his defense. His yeah. defense reminds me of, of like a, maybe a hybrid between Pernell Whitaker and Lomachenko. Wow. Just how he can slip his punches and stuff. He's 
incredibly hard to hit, which yeah. makes the other fighter frustrated, which also makes the other fighter make mistakes right. that he definitely capitalizes on all the time. He, okay, usually great fighters gravitate towards other great fighters. I've seen uh, uh, Terrence Crawford is always seems to be watching that guy's fights. Well, he's doing that for a reason because the guy's really good. <laughs> and that great fighters will follow other great fighters and they will encourage them, especially if they're younger fighters. And a lot of great fighters love watching this kid fight. And I've seen his highlights. It's impressive, man. And you're right. You can't hit your man. How incredibly frustrating is that? Where you're just swinging. You're just like, get tired. And I can't hit you. But you keep punching me in the face and then punching me in the liver. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I'm going to win. <laughs> and you're going to get discouraged very, very quickly. And I think the sky's the limit. Yeah, you know what? Obviously, boxers should have supreme confidence. Maybe I tone down to talk about Mayweather until you get to, I don't know, maybe 38 and 0, 40 and 0. You got a, you got a ways to go. He's got a ways to go before he gets to that point. But you know what? Sky's the limit for that young man. He's going to be a great fighter and a great ambassador for the sport, so, so far as I can see. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to uh, the fight that happens uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, it, it's it's something that I I feel like it's must watch TV for me, and you know I, I really really can't wait. Uh, I've been dying to see some boxing. Um, you know we're you know I had I was supposed to be uh, judging some fights locally here. Um, you know during this pandemic that got you know some of the events got canceled. I I had tickets to some local boxing, and you know there was some fights that that uh, you know got canceled. And nobody knows when they're coming back, and you know, to hear that they put this card together and to have him, uh, you know, it's exciting. I, I love a guy that, that uh, you know, has comparisons to some of the greats. And, you know, he you mentioned Andre Ward. That's his hero, I hear. Uh, you know, somebody that has, you know, immediately sort of jumped into his corner and, and mentored him and, you know, maybe maybe saw a little bit of himself uh, in, in, in Shakur and, um, you know, another statistic that I that I heard that just blew me away was um, there was since I think it's since 1992 Olympics, 17 American males have won medals, uh, and 11 of them have won world titles since after they turned pro. And uh, he did it the the third youngest ever. Uh, Mayweather, De La Hoya, and him. Uh, yeah. You know, on that list, you know, to be on that list for anything is just, you know, incredibly spectacular. And, and you know, I think the sky's the limit for him. We'll see if he, you know, he, he can keep developing his power and can keep, you know, uh, stymieing these guys, um, you know. But, uh, you know, so far, so good. Yeah. As, the, as he goes forward in his career and as the competition gets tougher, as long as he – still maintains that ability to just put guys away and frustrate guys. Oh yeah. Like he's, he's going to have a very, very, very successful career yeah. and his opponents are going to be very, very frustrated when fighting him. Yeah. Next time we talk, uh, come with some matchups that you've heard been uh, put together, uh, you know, fights to, for us to look, to look forward to. You always really make me a lot more tuned into the boxing game. When you tell me, Hey, uh, Lomachenko's fighting, you can't miss it. Uh, you know, tell me some of the, the fights that you've heard about. I know that you always have a, a huge um, 
library of, of fights that you've recorded and you're going through and you know keeping yeah. on top of all the the games so you know I, I really want you to tell me who who I, who I should be focusing in on and watching for next time well now that boxing is actually getting back underway you you definitely you're you bet i will be giving you some of the great um uh, matchups that are going to be coming down the line here in the future for sure nice, nice. Well, man, uh, it's been it's been great. It flew by. Uh, I really appreciate your time here, and uh, I'm I'm gonna uh, sign off. Um, anything else that you'd like to say before we uh, we call it a, a day? No, um, I I just want to say this has been a pleasure uh, to talk with you about sports, and uh, I look forward to doing many more of these in the future with you, my friends. Excellent. Yeah, same same goes, Jason. Yeah, thanks so much for your time. Uh, it's always great talking sports with you. You know, your wealth of knowledge and and you you bring a lot of humor. You bring a lot of uh, really passionate uh, opinions and everything. Uh, and I love it. I, I can't wait for next time. And uh, you know, we we always appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jason Cameron, World of Sports. Thanks so much. Just hang on. Well, that was great as usual. Jason Cameron, you know, coming with so many great opinions, uh, you know, humor behind it. And, you know, what an addition to the World of Sports podcast that we have here. You know, it's fantastic to get a guy that, you know, can shed so much light on so many different sports and do it in a fantastic way. Um, you know, uh, you know, I can't wait every time I get a chance to talk to him. He He just he just sheds so much light on the world of sports and just, you know, uh, has a really amazing, unique perspective on it. And I, um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. Uh, he's, he's going to be definitely, a, you know, a weekly thing and uh, even more at times uh, when, you know, some big events come, um, you know, we'll be able to bring him in and, and chat with him about the world of sports and, you know, the things that he focuses in on and things that I love as well. So, you know, Thanks a lot for joining us, and uh, I really appreciate your time. You uh, you can tune in where you get your podcasts and and listen to the world of sports. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's make it a regular thing. Uh, thanks so much. Love you. Take care. Bye for now.